0: Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. This morning, I'm going to continue on from our post-Resurrection Sunday, because we know last Sunday was Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And today is the first Sunday after that. And we've been going down the lines of eternal hope. You know, our eternal hope is this is what God originally planned for mankind, you and I, He has completed through Jesus Christ. That's why we just don't celebrate Easter and Christmas. We as followers of Christ recognise and understand that Resurrection Sunday is every day of the week for us. What God has originally planned, what He originally planned through the beginning of time, before we even thought of by our mother and father, God had already planned for us and He had completed it through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, it is always my heart when I speak, Lord, that You will use my lips like a pen as a ready writer. Lord, that you would help me articulate everything that you want me to speak. You know, Lord, that, Lord, in my own ability, in my own natural state, I can stutter, I can go over my words, You know, but I know, Lord, that when the anointing comes up on me, You call me to minister in power and authority. But it's not for me, Lord. It's for all of us so we can hear what You are saying to us. And every time, Lord, as I prepare, You prepare my heart first. So, Lord, help me deliver Your Word in truth, Lord. And, Lord, let us all have ears to hear what You are saying to us. In Jesus' Name, Amen. In John chapter, sorry, in John chapter 20 verse 26, we actually read the account that took place the following week, post-resurrection Sunday. Now Jesus had been uh, with the disciples already, but Thomas missed that opportunity. And this time he was present. And we read on from verse 26. It says, Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing Me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing Me. This morning, I wanna talk about the blessed life. The blessed life. God didn't send His Son to die a shameful, painful death on the cross for you and I just to survive. He's called us to thrive To have a blessed life, and this morning we're going to look at what it is to have a blessed life. Now, blessed blessed life is not without overcoming challenges in life. John sixteen verse thirty three tells us that he says, "In this life you will have many trials and tribulations." But then he goes on to say, "Take heart, for I have overcome the world." That's Jesus speaking to us. And when Jesus hung on that cross. When He hung on the cross and only hung on that cross by a few nails in His body, every time He had to breathe, He had to lift His body up to gasp for breath. And in one gasp of breath, He said this, It is finished. It is paid in full. The promise has been fulfilled. For whoever calls upon my name shall be saved. Whoever believes that God has raised me from the dead shall be saved. I said I was going to teach, right? Yeah. Praise God. So, you know what the word to be blessed actually means? Let's look at it because we often say that to one another. To be blessed, bless you. To be divinely favored. Resurrected, consecrated, redeemed, prosperous, abundant goodness and delight, content. See, the Bible is a love story of God's redemption plan. His atonement for our sins and resurrection power. And the promise, this is it, and the promise of a new blessed life in the Spirit. If you think the Bible, which I once thought before I gave my life to Christ, is a bunch of rules and regulations, you could not be more wrong. You could could not be further from the truth. It's a book of prophetic events that takes place and nearly of which all of them have taken place. Nothing in the Bible is by chance. Everything in this Bible points to Jesus, points to the answer points to the solution, the Messiah, points to the new blessed life in the Spirit. Because you and I as post cross, on the finished side of the cross, we are under a new and better covenant. We are under the law of grace and God's grace is His willingness to provide His power on our behalf. It's His unmerited favour. How would it be that His grace is given to us. He has restored us back into relationship with Him where God's original plan was intended way back in the book of Genesis. And we know that Genesis is the seedbed of all all revelation. What God had put together for Adam and Eve before before they blew it, that was for you and I. And that's what He's restoring us back to. We have been justified by faith. We are being sanctified to be glorified. Jesus is the head and we are the body. We are the bride of Christ and Jesus is the bridegroom. Come on, that's something to be thankful for. We are no longer Jew or Gentile, male or female. Don't get that wrong in in the spirit we are sons and daughters of the most high god we've been given a new spirit when we become born again your new nature has been set that different way of living comes past his laws are now tattooed on our heart that's why if you are in Christ and you sin because we we will sin because we live in this world right we are still we still are our minds needs to be renewed. That's why when you sin, there's a conviction that, that takes place and that's why we can come to Him and we can ask for forgiveness and He is faithful to forgive us of all our unrighteousness. Now living on the other side of the finished work of cross means we have access to living a blessed life in God's Spirit. And at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, I'm coming back now. Jesus announces that the Kingdom of Heaven has come near. But now on the other side of the cross, He's saying the Kingdom of God is no longer near. It's in us. Jesus is very clear that the Kingdom of Heaven refers to God's rule and reign here on earth. The new way of the Kingdom of heaven is not a mystical thing, it's tangible, it's visible and in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was here teaching His disciples and He was teaching some of the followers and the crowd was following and what He was teaching them, He was teaching about the values, the ethics and practices of this new kingdom. In other words, he was teaching us about the core values of the Kingdom of Heaven, the personal ethics and the traditional practices. There are traditional practices in the Kingdom. And his sermon opens up with the Beatitudes. That's another, another word for the Sermon on the Mount because he was teaching about the Beatitudes. And these eight statements begin with the word blessed. Each beatitude declares that even though at times we face affliction, persecution, and even lost, we can be blessed even when you're going through loss, you can be blessed and the beatitudes are declarations of God's grace in our life they're not conditions of salvation or a roadmap to entry into um into becoming saved, but it is what we call, as we step into the Kingdom of God, it's the characteristics of people walking in His grace. Who wants to walk in His grace? And as we step into the Kingdom of God, you and I, our hope is to become more like those that are named as blessed. We become more meek, more merciful, more hungry for righteousness, more willing to make peace at any cost. You know, when Claude started talking about peace, I thought, you've been watching me. You've been listening to my message. (laughs) In Matthew chapter five, let's read it. The Sermon on the Mount, also called the Beatitudes. It starts off this way. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him. And He began to teach. just want to stop there. Like I said, Jesus were teaching His disciples, but there was the crowd listening in. Jesus intentionally wanted the crowds to listen in because the Gospel is inclusive. The Gospel is for everyone. There's no one beyond saving, right? And in verse 3, He says, God blesses those who are poor and realise their need for Him. For the kingdom of heaven is there. I'm going to stop again. You know, for me, I grew up, I know some of you, many of you have heard my story, but I grew up as a good Catholic girl. I grew up knowing all about God, knowing all about Him. I went to church every Sunday. My mum dragged me to church every Sunday. Um, I went to a Catholic school. I. You know, everything I knew all about God. I did the stations of the cross at Easter time. I was the one at Christmas time going to church and every Sunday my mum would drag me along. I knew all about God, but I never knew Him. I never knew I could have a relationship with Him. And that's no fault of anyone else's because you're responsible for your own faith. So stop blaming on your mum and dad and everyone else, right? Despite all this, I spend most of my adult years poor in spirit, impoverished in spirit. There was a void in my heart and I would try and fill it with um, things and people and try and fill it up with other interests. But at 26 years old, it had to take when I was 26 years old, at 26, this is because I've got a bit of a hard head, right? At 26 years old through a divine setup by God, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And you know, the transformation for me was radical. I just knew i had met with God. I knew that I was forgiven, I was accepted, I was loved and there was no going back for me. It was a, a life transformation thing for me. Not only was my relationship with God restored, but it restored. I was restored to my dad because at that time, because of the way I was living, I was too ashamed. Not that he distanced himself, but I distanced myself from him. He, I re- my relationship with my dad was restored. My relationship with Claude was restored. It took some convincing for a while, but it was, it was restored. There was a radical life transformation. The Word of God became the plumb line to my life. My na- my new nature was set. My new nature was set. Now the things that I felt like I had to do, but still did it. So the things that I shouldn't do, um, I didn't do anymore. Not because I was told I shouldn't do it, but because I didn't want to do it anymore. It was a relationship. Let's come back to this. God blesses those who are poor and realise their need for Him. For the Kingdom of Heaven is there. I needed Him. It's okay to, need, to realise that you need Him. The Kingdom of Heaven is yours. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I've been there. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who are hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Been there, done that, got the badge to show it. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. How good is that? Like I mentioned before, the eight Beatitudes is the characteristics of people walking in the grace of God. These characteristics, or what we call attitudes, applies to our relationships. Firstly, with God, to our family, to the family of God, our covenant in marriage, and even to the world around us. It's worth noticing Here, that the word be attitude is all about attitude. And you've heard this before, I'm sure. Your attitude will determine your altitude. And that we've got to have an attitude of gratitude if we're going to live this blessed life. I had a little thought the other day. He goes, you can have an attitude of gratitude or you can grate people. (laughs) One of the two. And I've also noticed this, that a lot of people invest and focus only on their actual wedding day. They want to make the wedding day perfect, but they miss the whole idea of being married for the rest of their life and what that, how that's going to live out. And you know what? In parallel to this, this is how some believers live out their Christian life calendar. They celebrate Easter. They celebrate Christmas. They do the hatch, match and dispatch thing, you know, and... Child dedications, when they get married and when they go to be with Jesus, they're there in a cast, but they're there. But we are not like that, right? Because we have the characteristics of Christ's nature. We live this kingdom of heaven life. The kingdom of heaven is a way of life attitude because Christianity is all about relationships, And you know what I've noticed in this passage of Scripture is that the kingdom of heaven or the blessed life is a pay-it-forward life of faith. It's a pay-it-forward. When it comes to walking out our relationships, we must pay it forward. And the first characteristic we see is, the first first one is love like you've never been hurt. (laughs) Easier said than done, isn't it? rolls easy off the lips, but we got to live it. You know, the blessed life actually hinges on this. Everything hinges on your love walk. Love like you've never been hurt. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read a whole chapter on this. Now I'm not going to read it all, but it's talking about the fact that You can have all the gifts, you can prophesy, you can pray in tongues, you can play a tambourine, you can do anything. But if you have not love, it's just like a clanging cymbal. And at the end of it, it says, the three things that must remain is faith, hope and love. And the greatest is love. See, the way we do relationships in the Kingdom of Heaven is completely opposite to the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is transactional. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If you love me... I'll love you. But the way of the kingdom, the blessed life is not transactional. It's unconditional. It's the agape kind of love. And Jesus modelled this on the cross when He said it's paid for in full. He says, Your sins are forgiven because of My blood that has been poured out for you in advance. For God so loved the world that He gave. There was always a pay it forward mindset. And to constantly be feeling bad about your past sins, even after asking God's forgiveness, is actually false humility. Real faith is exhibiting humility. Presumption isn't. When you know that your past sins are covered in the blood of Jesus, you can walk in real meekness and humility. Because Christianity is all about unconditional love in our relationships, not transactional. But we first must receive Christ's unconditional love. We first must receive God's love for us. You need everything. Our identity is far more important knowing than our behaviour. Your behaviour will follow when you know your identity in Christ. When we choose to forgive and love, we are showing meekness and humility. And Jesus once again modelled the pay it forward life. He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus came to serve, not be served. He showed us by washing the disciples' feet before He was going to die on the cross. God said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and I'll add all that other stuff. He said, We love because he first loved us. It is the law of sowing and reaping seed, time, and harvest. So, the way for us in paying it forward in our relationship is if you want to be forgiven, you first must forgive. If you want friends, you've got to first be friendly yourself. You want to be loved, you've got to first love others. You want people to be dren- generous, you've got to first be generous yourself. You want to be merciful, you, if you want mercy, you've got to be merciful yourself first. Mercy is not giving people what they deserve. You want people to be gracious towards you, first be gracious to others. And grace is giving people what they do not deserve see the way of the kingdom is laying your life down for a friend. Jesus says this the way you love each other will show the world that you belong to me now i 'm going to push a button here because you know uh, counselors some counselors push back on this self sacrifice but the way of the kingdom is self sacrificing it 's the key to your marriage and any relationships that what Jesus said to lay your life down but What it isn't, it's not to win the approval of that person, but it's to help your relationship grow and develop by serving one another, hearing each other's needs. If you're only doing it to win the approval of someone sacrificing yourself, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. You'll start to say, oh, they're just using me. They can't be using you if your motive is just to serve them and to love them and give them something. Treat people the way you want to be treated, not as you are treated. And love is the greatest weapon against the enemy in any relationship because love always wins, always wins. We pay it forward by taking the higher road in the kingdom of heaven, even if it costs you something. God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. Another translation says, blessed are the peacemakers. It's not about keeping peace. It's about working for peace. It's about making peace. That means you don't always have to be right, but we are supposed to do what's right. Not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone is going to agree with you. And you know what? Scripture tells us what to do with that. Oh my goodness, not everyone is going to like you. That's really hard for a pastor to hear that. In Luke chapter 6, this is what it says about that. But I say to you here, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When others mistreat and harass you, accept it as your mission to pray for them. Not pay for them. To those who despise you, continue to serve them and minister to them. If someone takes away your coat, give him, him as a gift, your shirt as well. When someone comes to beg from you, give to that person what you have. And when things are wrongfully taken from you, do not demand they be given back the way you want others to treat you is how you tr- should treat everyone else. That is the way of the kingdom. That is how we do relationships. It's not transactional, it's unconditional. In other words, when they're doing all that stuff to you, bless them. You know, I've said that often. I've often said, oh, bless them. But deep down, I was thinking something else and I thought that's the only words I could come out right now. Bless them. Pray for them. And I found that when I start praying for them, I start to see that they are flawed, they are hurt and they are broken. And hurt people will only hurt people. And the only way you can walk through this life is by living this life, is by blessing them and praying for them. The reality is every one of us has been hurt by someone. And the closer the person is, the most painful that hurt can be. And there is a saying that time heals all things. Time alone doesn't heal all things. It's what you plant in the soul of your heart and mind in that time that determines your healing. And it starts by forgiving first. And this is your faith working by love in action. When you forgive and forget, it is possible to restore, reconcile, any relationship. Forgiveness is always possible, but reconciliation takes two people to make it work. Until then, we gotta love like we've never been hurt. I didn't say that we have to trust them. I said we have to love them. We pay it forward by being fully invested in your family, in the community of faith. This is the way of living in the kingdom of heaven. There is power in community. There is great power in, in the community of faith. That's where you establish strong and thriving relationships. That's where you start to sharpen one another. That's where you start to glean off one another. You and I, we were created for community. We were created for family. That's why we're called the family of God. That's why God in, made Adam and Eve, because He wanted a family. He, he orchestrated the church. That's why Jesus is the head and we are the body. And there's a saying that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. I'm sorry, you're stuck with me <laughs> for eternity. <laughs> so you better start loving me now, right? Right? <laughs> Psalm 92 verse 13 says, says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish, shall thrive in the courts of our God. We must remain planted for the protection and growth of the family of God. You know, for me, my life was totally transformed in the house of God. And I'm forever grateful. I have, I, I truly have an attitude of gratitude that my children love the house of God. My children are serving in the house of God. And there's no greater joy than seeing my grandson, my grandchildren, and in particular one right now, my grand, one of my grandsons who comes to pre-service prayer, doesn't want to run around with the kids, comes to the pre-service prayer, which you're all invited to, by the way. And he's here praying and praying for people That is what my legacy is all about. That's my spiritual inheritance. That's because I've chosen to remain planted in the house of God. Now... Listen, I know that that's not always the case. And that I, you know, I know that some of them may drift away for a time. But the Word of God says that when we train them up that way, they shall return. And the prodigals and those wayward children are coming back home. It's to encourage you. It's not to condemn you. It's to encourage you. Because they've got to work out their own faith with fear and salvation. Trembling. Psalm 1 says, Who you walk, stand and sit with will determine the outcome of a blessed and prosperous life. You are likened to a tree that's planted by the river. And we've got to stay planted, not be uprooted. It doesn't mean whether we're going to bear fruit all the time. There are going to be fruitless seasons, but you will bring fruit and you'll prosper in your season. Psalm 133 says, How blessed it is when people dwell together in unity. And the enemy knows this. That's why a house divided will fall. That's why you wouldn't want to curse your own family, right? Let's not curse the family of God either. Let's speak well of one another. Let's encourage one another. Not just locally, but globally. We are belong to a family, the, glo- the church of Jesus Christ. Let's always speak well of the church globally. Don't be posting stuff up about church. Because there are unsaved people watching that too. And we're supposed to be together, right? We're supposed to be in unity. We might not do everything right, but we are family. There's a song coming up right now. We are family. (laughs) Very wise lady mentioned to me in my early years of discipleship, because the, there was a developing pastor in me and I want everyone to love me and like me and I wanted to be friends with everybody. And I wondered why I couldn't be, I thought, hang on, this is a church, we're supposed to be all close friends, we're all supposed to be love each other and know each other. And you know. And she said to me, darling, she said, please, understand this. She's probably the age I am now, but that's, point, that's futile right now. But anyway, she used to say to me, she said to me one time when I was in the creche, she said, you know, the house of God is like the temple in the Old Testament. There is the inner court. Sorry, there's the outer court, there's the inner court and there's a Holy of Holies. You're gonna have friends in the outer court. You're gonna have friends in the inner court and you're gonna have friends in the Holy of Holies. You don't have to be best friends with everyone. You don't have to go, but you still are the family of God. You still love each other. And so if you've got three close friends like Jesus had, He had His close three, He had His 12 and He had His 72, you're winning. You've got three close friends in the house of God, right? That sounds like a connect group. That sounds you've got friends. It's impossible to have a blessed life, but live isolated because you were created for family, you were created for community and you were created for relationships. We pay it forward By sharing our faith. Listen, if I knew of someone, if you and I knew someone who was dying and you had a cure, wouldn't you want to tell them? We are dying every day and you have the cure. It's the blood of Jesus. I said to the Lord many years ago as I was ministering and Claude was travelling and, and we were out. I said, Lord, I'm going to focus on sharing my faith and winning people to Christ. But I'm trusting you for my family that you're going to send other people to minister to my family. Because how many of us know sometimes it's not us, that the ones that they listen to when you are, this is the pay it forward thing, when you are ministering to others, when you're sharing your faith, when you're discipling others, you can be sure that as you're praying, God is setting someone else up for your family as well. And the only time that stops, the only thing that stops us at times is because we don't wanna be mocked or persecuted. But there is nothing, there is nothing that's worth living for. There is no greater purpose than seeing someone come to Christ and surrender to Christ. If we are going to live this blessed life, we've got to live for a greater purpose. That means our, our priorities change. You know, we've got to take our priorities into, into um, existence here. Nothing blesses me more than to be used by God. Who, what, you give yourself completely to will either be for this temporary life or for eternal life. And on earth, our supreme purpose is to know Him and make Him known to others. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. then everything else will fall into place. If we don't share our faith, if we don't evangelise, we will fossilise. That's the truth. It's a saying, but it's the truth. Sharing your faith, the Gospel of peace, motivates you. There is no greater joy than seeing someone come alive in Christ. It actually gets you back. It reminds you of the grace of God when you first got saved. And finally, the blessed life is not possible without the presence of God in your life. That's the power of God. The presence of God is the power of God in your life. And when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. He becomes our teacher. He becomes our advocate, a friend that sticks closer to a brother. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit ever lives to make intercession for us. Romans eight twenty eight tells us that. I remember the first time I felt God's presence. It wasn't a mystical thing anymore. I used to often do the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I felt nothing. And I'm not saying that's for everyone. My mum, she goes to Catholic Church. She loves Jesus. She, there's many beautiful believers there. Please, I have to work out my own faith. But I remember that time when I felt the presence of God. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. There's no going back. You want more. You hunger and thirst for more. I have been finding myself this past week, waking up in the morning, singing this song. It's by Psalm 51. Keith Green wrote it. He's in heaven now. And these are the words, I won't sing it for your sake. But I sing it in the shower. Sorry, Claude, he's heard me a couple of times. (laughs) Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. I never want to take my salvation for granted. I never want to take the, the new born again set in nature for granted. I never want to take the presence of God for granted. I was sharing the other week um, to Janet actually, how I love hearing the story of people when they encounter Jesus and when they've come to church for the first time and they've encountered the presence of God and some of them don't know what it is and they they ask you, what's that warm feeling? You know, or or what's that tingling feeling? And I just saw this, and you know, and I just my eyes opened to me, to me, I'm thinking. I want that. I want that again, Lord. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. You know, the good thing is that we can have that every day of our lives. Jesus made that the promise John came to baptise us with water, but Jesus came to baptise us with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the good thing is it's not a one-time event. (laughs) We can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire every day if we want it, if we want it. But we have to be prepared that dignity goes out the door. You can't be dig- dignified when you're in the sovereignty of God, right? You've got to be humble and lay before Him. And sometimes there are manifestations, but the manifestations is nothing compared to what happens on the inside. And the re- fire is to purify us, purify our hearts because our hearts get clogged up. Our hearts get clogged up with the things of this world. And the refiner's fire is there to purify our hearts, get rid of all the stuff that doesn't matter. You know, I feel us as a church that we need to come back to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire if we've not been there. We will see God and the only way we can, you know, the only way we can stay in that place is by hungering and thirsting for more of Him. We can't live this life, this new nature, without the Holy Spirit, without the presence of God, the power of God in our life. The presence of God in your life is the blessed life. It's tangible, it's real. We can experience heaven on earth because of His presence in our life. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.